You are listening to Moments of Clarity, Journeys with EQ by Six Seconds Europe. Hello, my name is Fergal O'Keefe, and you're very welcome to a new weekly podcast, Moments of Clarity, Journeys with EQ. This podcast is a very simple premise that elicits some fascinating insights from my guests. Every week, I will ask my guest for three moments of clarity that contributed to a change in course in their life journey. It could be anything big or small. It could be a new job, new hobby, new partner, something that moved their life in a new direction. We will be releasing a brand new podcast every Wednesday with guests from Six Seconds, our partners and interesting people who live their life using EQ. Six Seconds is a global non-profit dedicated to growing emotional intelligence worldwide. Our work involves supporting individuals, teams and organisations to develop and practice emotional intelligence to help increase personal and organisational effectiveness. I would also really appreciate if you could leave a rating and review as it helps others to discover this new podcast. I look forward to sharing some great guests over the coming weeks every Wednesday. I would like to introduce you now to our very first guest, Catherine Roth, who is Six Seconds Regional Director for Europe, who is based in Cove, County Cork in Ireland. Thank you very sure. much for coming to the podcast, Catherine. The first thing I want to say to you is thanks, because this was actually your idea, Moments of Clarity, and I love the idea. So thanks so much. Oh, well, thank you. It's um you know, it, it takes an idea, but it also takes a lot of people to make something happen, doesn't it? I think with uh, moments of clarity, there's a lot to, to talk about, a lot of richness um, to talk about. And uh, I suppose as I get older, I realise just looking back on life, how many moments of clarity there have been. And oh, if I had only listened to a few more of them when I was younger. <laughs> exactly. And I don't know if it's a coincidence, but I've become more aware of that actually in the last six months um, through lockdown, you know, because I've had more time to reflect. But the one thing I always come back to is I'm here for a reason to this stage. You know, if I'd done one thing, I might have ended up, you know, like those movies, then everyone around yeah, me would disappear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, what if? So it's made, it, it's made me go... You know, um, it's made me look back at things, but also appreciate that journey we have in life, you know, that everything's Absolutely. for a reason. True. Absolutely. Uh, well, yes. And and everything has um, validation, I suppose. Everything is valid. Um, the experiences we have. Um, I, I think I learned in several of my <laughs> trips away and uh, jobs that I did that um uh, being on autopilot and doing is not the greatest thing <laughs> and you know just pausing and kind of whoa hold on there's a moment here there's a moment of real learning or there's a moment where I kind of need to wake up and and really understand what's going on because it could before, have massive impact on my life in the future exactly and um, before we go into moments of clarity could you just say a few words about so what you do, you're working obviously with six seconds, but just to let people know where you are and what you do. Yeah, well, I'm calling from Cove, 
uh, near Cork. And we have the uh, Europe office for six seconds in Cork, although I haven't visited for a, a very long time. Um, and I um, took on this role a couple of years ago, having run uh, a training company uh, of my own for uh, many years. And um, so I, I support people around Europe to be able to practice emotional intelligence. And um, I feel very honoured, actually, to have this this job and to be in this position and to be in a beautiful country during lockdown. Um, so, yes, yeah, a, a lot of a lot of blessings. And um, the job that I do helps me to connect and speak with people right around Europe. And that's been fascinating, just understanding a little bit about other people's stories and how they've coped and managed and thrived in many cases throughout the lockdown and some of the challenges that we've been facing. Particularly important, I think, in the last year, hasn't it been? I'm sure you felt that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of person that if I wasn't practising emotional intelligence, I could probably be fairly well overwhelmed by other people's stories and what they're going through, because I feel those quite keenly. Um, and again, you know, talking about um, how how we're feeling and the, the benefits that we have having emotional intelligence tools that you've already known about and you've already started practising has been such a big plus for me. I can't tell you how important it's been, you know, to, to be able to keep oneself um, able to be able to help others. That's not to say that I haven't crumbled every now and again. <laughs> but um of course. Uh yeah. Being in a place to be able to support others is, is really important to me. Exactly. And actually it's funny you say that because what I say, it isn't even that you crumble like, you know, occasionally. I, I do it several times every day. <laughs> it's up and down, you know, it's a roller coaster. <laughs> it, it can be moment by moment. I think I probably ha I recognise in myself that I have a kind of a longer um mood perhaps. But maybe it's it's something which which lasts a slightly longer space of time and it takes me longer to get out of it. So if I'm feeling somebody's uh, pain or sadness or indeed I'm feeling lonely or, or or something like that, it takes me a while to process it and get through it. So I think my um, if we call them moods, <laughs> tend to um, last um, as I'm processing them through, as I'm rationalising how I'm feeling, <laughs> but feeling nevertheless. So you have some gorgeous, I'm very intrigued by them, your moments of clarity. The first one involves a holiday and a Fiat Panda. So I'm dying to hear about this. <laughs> yes. Well, this was many years ago uh, when... Um, visiting Crete and it was an island that I'd wanted to go to for many years and it's an island that I want to go back to having read several books and um, knowing a little bit more about about Crete and um, as ever going to uh, somewhere different and going on holiday I wanted to pack in loads of activities and so to be able to do those activities I rented a car and it was this little Fiat Panda uh, it was all we could afford at the time and it kind of tootled along quite happily uh, and I remember distinctly one evening we had um, traveled to a nearby town we were getting back in haste for uh, a 
an event in the evening. And you know when you're on holiday and, uh, well, maybe you don't do this, but but I I do this. It's like, oh, wow, um, there's something on this evening. I've, I've really got to get to that. And the kind of, if I don't get to that, I've got, I've missed the opportunity to be at that event. And it was this singing event. And, and I thought, oh, yeah, great music, fantastic. I love music. Anyway, I, I really want to, I really want to get there. So in haste, in the tootling Fiat Panda, as it's getting dark and the heat of the day has settled into the road and the headlights are needing to be turned on because it's that half-light dusk and uh, rounding a corner, there's lots of corners and lots of hills uh, on Crete if you've ever been, and uh, we're rounding a corner and suddenly uh, lights from another vehicle come uh, speeding up the hill and come closer and closer and closer. And as I put the brakes on the Fiat Panda with my boyfriend next to me and my daughter in the back of the car, the car twizzled and twizzled and twizzled and swelled and turned. And we, we were literally just tossed around uh, in a circle on the road. And I think I just didn't recall what had happened next. Suddenly we were stopped. And we were alive. <laughs> I think I fully expected to die. Um, and we were alive and uh, kind of just processing the moment going, well, what just happened just then? What, what went on? And uh, as I got out of the car, I realised that my daughter in the back was sitting over the part of the car that was hanging over the edge of a cliff. And the only thing that had stopped the car from going over the cliff was a tree. And just as there are many hills and corners on Crete, there are very, very few trees. In fact, you could probably go around Crete counting the number of trees unless you were in a, an, uh, an orchard or something. Um, and so in this sparse countryside, uh, there's this car hanging over the edge of the cliff stopped by a single tree and it looked like the tree could give way any minute and so I think I, there was a part of me that just went right hold on I've just got to get my daughter out the back of the car make sure that she's safe and uh, you know when you look at something you go what's the conundrum here the conundrum is if I, if I get into the car I'm adding weight to it which could just push the car further over the edge so anyway uh, myself and, and boyfriend at the time were we're um, just figuring out how to get her out of the car. And it, it actually was my daughter who went, I'm, I'm just going to come out myself. You don't have to come to get me. And, you know, when you hear a voice and you go, she's OK. She's all right. It's it's OK. We're, we're here. We're all alive. And she's got the presence of mind to get herself out of the car. And we stood on the roadside in shock. Um, looking at the write-off that was the car and um, just being amazed that we weren't at the bottom of the cliff in the car. And um, as time passed, uh, um, a little pickup truck came along and a couple of guys got out and looked at the car and tutted and then started talking very fast with each other uh, about the situation. And really said very little to us, uh, apart from ushered us into their van, hooked up the car, and the car, the whole back suspension of the car was um, just, well, it dropped 
car, the whole back of the car had dropped. So we we pulled this vehicle back down the road uh, to our home, where we were where we were staying, with the exhaust creating sparks on the road. I'm thinking that the last thing we need now is to create a fire <laughs> on the on the road, but. And and then the next thought was the fear of what we were going to say to the car hire place as we <laughs> returned the, the poor Fiat Panda in a state that was really only fit for the uh, the scrapyard. And um, this was a, a another moment, actually, a moment of learning. Having had that moment of, whoa, anything could happen. and we're, we're not dead, we're alive. But how close could that have been? The next moment was the generosity of the uh, car hire man who said, ah, no worries. It's you're, you're here. The car is here. I'll scrap it. It's insured. And then the next thing he said was, so I'll give you a Jeep. To which I went, no, I don't want to drive ever again. I don't want to be responsible for anybody else's life whilst I'm at the wheel. And he said, ridiculous. You know, you're having this Jeep. You've got to get back in the car. You've got to start driving. You know, so he organized it all and he gave us this Jeep. So uh, for uh, ever after, we were we were thinking about the poor old Fiat Panda that we exchanged for a Jeep that... Um, and kind of allowed us to go off and do whatever else on our holiday. But uh, a near miss. Wow. Were you um, terrified? I mean, that was a scare. Like afterwards, mm. did, it, did it change your attitude? Definitely changed my attitude to life. That um, we, sometimes we have to live the being and not live the doing. And that, you know, in the process of rushing to try to get to an event that was, you know, much as nice as it might have been, was not worth the risk of rushing. Um, the process of just enjoying the journey back from the place where we visited during the day and, you know, taking our time and just being present and, and acknowledging the beauty and the places around us. And whilst I don't think that, I see that as an accident. It wasn't, you know, an, an incident that I could have avoided at the time. Um, it, it really hit home to me that we never know what's around the corner. Because what, what age was your daughter? Uh, she was nine. Wow. Yeah. So did you look at her in a new light? I mean, that was quite zen of her, wasn't it? I definitely that my daughter had the the presence of mind to to take responsibility and to get herself out of the car either because she saw the situation and knew she had no other choice or because you know she she, she is well she continues to this day to be fairly resilient and very practical and able to um you know go through challenges and be able to see a way forward and manage those challenges in a number of ways. So, so um, your next moment um, is letting go and getting on. Yeah. Again, sounds yeah. Intriguing. What is that? So this is about the times when I've had to give up something which was really um, meaningful um, to me. So 
I've had uh, quite a lot of businesses um, and one of the first businesses that I had was a retail business um, and it was a fair trade business up in Scotland and um, like other people who were involved in the business I worked really hard to make sure that it was it was a good business it was a business that wasn't just about making money it was about a business that was employing people a business that was healthy and thriving and was supporting a range of different initiatives in this case it was it was fair trade and ensuring that people got a, a fair wage and a fair deal for for what they were producing and selling and delivering and so on and you know there came a time in my life where I had to let that had to let that go I had to literally walk away from it um, because of uh, lots of different factors that were <laughs> coming together and it was hard. It was hard to let go of the work that I put in. It was hard to let go of um, the situation, you know, what I built. I suppose I was quite proud of what I built and, and kind of walking away from that literally um, as it was a, a cooperative. So, you know, in a cooperative, you um, you are only a, an owner or custodian of something if you are working in it. And um, I was no longer working in it or, or with it. So that was that was the first moment of of understanding that um, sometimes it's good to let go of things because when we let go of things, we find new things. And so for me, it was a time of moving. Uh, it was a time of moving um, to a different place in the country. I was moving from Scotland down south to the, the northeast of England at the time. And um, I built another business, uh, another couple of businesses, actually, and um the the, uh, the second business, the training and development business, I uh, got to a point where uh, I've been running it for 15 years. I was very close to the people who I worked with and very close to the services that we provided. And yet there came a time when I knew that to be able to go on to new ventures and to be able to, to, to move beyond, um, I needed to let go. And I think... There's a pattern that I recognise in myself, which is wanting to hold on to what I know and what I feel that I can be good at <laughs> and not necessarily wanting to take the risk of doing something new um, and potentially being really terrible at it, <laughs> that makes sense. So there's this, this feeling of loss and it took me a long time to really emotionally detach myself enough from the business um, to be able to move on so you know I think rationally we can go oh yeah yeah well you know well, we, we downsize this or we we um, pass over that or we uh, we give over this and that and the other to somebody else and uh, we we go through the tasks that need to be done uh, connected with um liquidating a company but the emotional um, aspect of, of really understanding what that will mean it's almost like an identity is tied up with a business that you've you've built from nothing and that you've you've run for 15 years and yet that letting go has really helped me to get on so one of the things I really wanted to do was uh, be able to do more with more. And that was when I took on this role with uh, Six Seconds. And, um, of course, now, you know, I look back and I understand it absolutely was the right thing to do. 
and the, at the time there were uh, it felt hard and it felt painful but now reflecting back on it there's a lot of clarity around when when i feel fear i still can acknowledge that and understand that that is also tied up with new opportunities and new things and being able to have new perspectives and new challenges and new experiences and growing new skills and so yeah the business is no longer but the what i've learned from it uh stays with me most definitely and do you think over your over your career say that making those big decisions get easier then that the you know because you have to be very brave to make those changes I don't know, Purbel. I think so, yes. I think that when you've had practice with something, it becomes easier. Mm. But, uh, you know, my, my dad will tell you that when I was uh, young, I uh, stood in the spa shop on the corner of our road in uh, Bath, uh, in the southwest of England, and uh, I spent probably 10, 15 minutes deciding between fruit salads and blackjacks and for those people who don't know them, they're kind of chewy sweets. You know, one is like licorice flavor yeah, uh, and the them. other is kind of fruity flavor. And, you know, I, it, I had a penny that I could spend. That's how old I am. And <laughs> it took forever with a lot of, you know, huffs and puffs and rolling eyes of other people in the shop. And my dad getting increasingly frustrated. And I think in the end, he probably decided and just went, there you are. That's what you're getting. <laughs> and uh I remember thinking at the time, well, you know, it, it, I feel sometimes overwhelmed by choice and about making um, decisions. And I still do. It's not something that I find easy. <clears throat> but then there are some really big decisions that I've made that um, I, I kind of had a gut feel as to what it is that I wanted to, to make happen. And I knew that actually that decision was the only way forward to be able to achieve that painful though it might have been or easy though it might have been um you know there was only kind of one route or one road or one route to be able to get there uh and so when i was deciding about uh the job and the move to ireland for example which was a massive decision um and i remember sitting in my kitchen thinking to myself like uh you know what one one approach is to stay in the UK and just do what I've always done or to stay in the UK and see what happens with trying to run a business or a new business in, in the UK. Uh, another route is to be able to go and um, go away, leave, leave family and leave friends, but make new friends <laughs> and, um, you know, living in a, in a different place in a new country uh and really taking the, the risk of um well the risks associated with that to you know make a difference and to to build a business that will again employ people that will again you know add value not just to the europe community but to the local community that it's in and um having that fresh start is a is a big pull. So sitting in my kitchen and thinking about the decisions ahead, 
I think recognizing the emotions that are connected with loss, recognizing the connection, the emotions that are connected with fear, and then feeling them but doing it anyway, um, was something which uh, I just had to do. And I, rem- I remember the question I asked myself was, well, what will happen if you do? And what will happen if you don't? And ultimately, I realized that if I did, there could be some risk. I could lose a lot. I could lose friendships. I could lose out seeing, you know, a family. I could uh, lose an awful lot of money. I could um, lose my house. I could, but I could gain so much. And I could give so much as a result of making this making this move. And so what will happen if you do? What will happen if you don't? Well, if I don't try it, I will never know what I could have achieved if I'd set my mind to it. And so then it became clear. <laughs> it became very clear what it was that I was going to be doing. That's interesting because um, you mentioned the word clarity in your note to me about decision making. So I think that's the key key word for you, isn't it? Clarity. And the other word you mentioned just there is gut feeling, because I think a lot of people don't listen. I'm a firm believer in that about gut feeling. Yeah, I think when you start listening to what's actually going on, I think I think I can become overwhelmed by emotions. Remember at the beginning of the course talking about um, having a, the danger of being overwhelmed by uh, emotions. I think we can also get Im- overwhelmed by data, <laughs> overwhelmed by, well, you know, if I've got to do this and this and this and this, what will that mean? Um, and I think our, our, in our values, our, the structure of our community um, sometimes means that we, we are, are very connected to what matters, not just to us, but to other people. And um, we could have a a cacophony of of different ideas going around in our head. And I think for me at times, those have been very overwhelming. So the kind of the, the, well, um, what what about this? Or what about that? What if? (laughs) Um, And doubts and fears. Um, But when when we listen to all of that and take time to understand what's really important and also know what we want to achieve, um, I think that's really important too. I think then there, be, there does come a clarity because we can go, well, we don't need to pay attention to that. We don't need to pay attention to that. We don't need to pay attention to that. And, and um, th- there's another thought, I, I guess, that comes with that clarity, which is what is it that I need to keep? Not is what is it that I can afford to, to lose, but what, what is it that I really need to keep? And then if I just focus on those things, so I need to keep connection with people because that's really important. And I need to keep um, uh, keeping connected with what's important and what I want to achieve. You know, but so what if, you know, in the, in the process, uh, I lose my car? Well, so what in the process, I, um, uh, I lose something else. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, possessions. I mean, what are possessions really when we're talking about life and life's meaning, I suppose? Well, that's very deep, isn't it? No, but you're right. And it, it, it's connected to what I was saying at the very start about, you know, for looking back this time 
during lockdown has given us a time to reflect. And that's the thing that I've kind of tapped back into is when you were teens and 20s, you looked at where you wanted to go or what you wanted to do. And you didn't worry about all the ifs and, oh, gosh, you know what I mean? You just went in a direction. So I think that that's kind of connected, that this time has given us a little bit, uh, me anyway, I've had time now to reflect, not worrying too much about all the ifs and buts. Mm. Yeah, I, I still come on coming back to this uh, loss and gain, is that if you're willing to lose something, usually the gains are twice fold or threefold. Exactly. And, um, you know, and, and you'll never know what you could have achieved if you didn't have the presence of mind and the clarity of what you wanted to achieve, um, if you don't go for it, you will you will never know whether you could have done it. Exactly. So my question, my last question that I ask everybody is, um, if you close your eyes and take four deep breaths and think of your happy place, where would that be and why? Ah, now I forgot we were having this question. That's so. <laughs> okay. So you just <laughs> so the key is then it's the first okay. thing that comes. It doesn't matter how yeah. silly or however. What's the first? Something has to have come into your head now. Place. You're not allowed. You're not allowed. To kind of scroll through loads of happy yeah. places. The first one. Well, you might be surprised. Well, I, I, whoa, there, there is so many. Um, I, I think it's more of a space than a place, Virgil. Am I, am I allowed that? Of course, um, it can be anything. So I think it's not about the context of where I am. So, you know, I, I suppose I could say that, you know, there's been in lots of places where I felt very happy. I feel very happy being here in, in Cove and looking out at the sea. I feel very happy uh, in, in Bali or in India or in Turkey or, uh, you know, in the UK. And yet I think it's about a space. And I think it's about a space where, Things align and things are connected. Like we're connecting the dots. So, yeah, here I am, wherever I am, and I am feeling good about um, the situation. Um, good about um, how I'm feeling. The, the um, what's about to come. What's just been before. Uh, and I have a lot of those lovely moments and and spaces for reflection when doing the washing up <laughs> that <laughs> that's original very, one and i don't have a dishwasher um and uh i i think it's just nice and therapeutic it's like the process of doing something that you could do with your eyes shut uh well probably um and um really having the time and space just to consider wow what does today hold? And knowing that you have a lot of opportunities. I have a lot of opportunities, thankfully, to be able to create something different and to make a change. And I could be washing up in Greece. I could be washing up in Turkey. I could be washing up in you know, wherever. And it, it would be about the that space that we hold, that I hold, which is about, yeah, here I am, and what opportunities do I have today to be able to learn something, to be able to help somebody with something, to be able to well, talk to myself, 
and um, connect with others somewhere, somehow. You know, I always go with um, my kids. I always feel sometimes like they're missing out on doing washing because when I was growing up, I remember used to do it with my auntie. I was living with my auntie in my teens and um, we used to sing like... uh, you know, sound of music songs while we were doing the washing and chat about the day. Or one of the happiest memories in my life was in Inish year in Irish college. And each day you'd have to, someone would have to do the washing. And I'd always dread it because my Irish was terrible. But then it was lovely because you'd be with the Bannon tea and she'd be talking to you. And it just was such a, I learned more there about the island Um. And so it really is. A, I, I totally agree with that. I feel like the younger generation are missing out, you know, something special about it, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And that, that, that kind of present, I think as well, when you've, you've got a large uh, a family and, and you can all kind of join together in the activity because there's a role for everybody, isn't there, in, in washing up. And um, <laughs> uh, I just think it's really it is a lovely connecting, a connecting time. Yeah. So thank you so much, Catherine. I really appreciate it. That was gorgeous. I hope you enjoyed that. We're going to have some great fairy guests every Wednesday from all walks of life, including next Wednesday, uh, the Six Seconds CEO, Joshua Friedman. So I would ask you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and it will jump into your phone on Wednesdays and I would also ask you to leave a review and a star rating if at all possible because it helps other people to find this podcast. I look forward to sharing some great guests with you every week. You are listening to Moments of Clarity Journeys with EQ by Six Seconds Europe.